0: What does Earth Day mean to you? Are climate conversations part of your personal or professional lives? How do you contribute to climate action already taking place in your community? The heritage and culture sector is privileged to support research, education, and action against climate change. This Earth Day, the BC Museums Association has invited some in our sector and the community at large to share, inspire, and help educate us all on the importance and interconnectedness of climate and the cultural heritage sector. My name is Cowie Taylor and I'm the Special Projects Coordinator with the BC Museums Association. In today's podcast episode, I'm joined by two incredible folks from Potato House to discuss the sustainability of their organization through programming, funding, and relationship building. So to kick things off, I'll let the two of them introduce themselves.
1: My name is Amber Gregg and I am the Program Coordinator at Potato House and also the program coordinator for the Caribou Chilcotin Conservation Society.
2: And my name is Mary Forbes, and Kieran Williams-Lake, I am the outreach educator for the Potato House, doing everything from heritage to conservation, to nature programming, as it relates to our amazing 1941 Heritage House. Do I have a title? You're the executive director. Oh, right. Awesome. (laughs) And I'm also um, an environmental educator for the Cariboo Coquen Conservation Society, which we also call the Conversation Society, and do in-class presentations about
0: everything related to the same subject. So we've got a beautiful partnership. Thank you both so much. So just to jump right into things, um, how did the partnership between the Conservation Society and Potato House start? And I know you briefly mentioned that the two of you were a part of that group, um, but where did the synergies come from and how did that partnership start and what are the kind of things that you're working on right now?
2: Shall I tell a backstory and then you move into uh, what we're working on now?
0: That sounds great. So... I'm an
2: environmental educator, heritage interpreter from the national parks, and I'm walking around downtown Williams Lake going, where are the heritage buildings? Where are they? (gasps) What is that? That's an old house. It's for sale. How much is it? Who do I talk to? And in the process, we had transition towns having a lot of conversation in Williams Lake about how can we be sustainable into the future and climate crisis. And as a part of that group and that conversation, stars in my eyes, let's buy the potato house for a hundred thousand dollars, which was a lot of money in Williams Lake at that time. Vancouver stopped scoffing. <laughs> and so we, we got it together. We created the Potato House Sustainable Community Society, such a mouthful. We shortened it to the Potato House Project. And it did a composting program because we needed to find a way to not just be a heritage house, but a way for people to know what we were doing. Soil was exhausted. So we're like, bring us your compost. We're gonna compost it in like the olden days ways and talk about heritage. And then it just synergized over with the conservation society that has a waste education program where we talk about recycling and composting as well, but more like worm composting and urban composting. And so the two just fit together really well. And we kind of started over here and then it's like, hey, What are you doing? You want to have a clothing swap? Yeah. Let's use your site. Hey, what are you doing? Are you talking about compost? Us too. Oh, let's get, and then it got closer and closer. And now we're very close together. And now
1: what are we working on? Well, not only that, but we also have three contractors that work at both. So um, our compost expert at the potato house also does waste wise education and some community water education um, for the conservation society. And the three of us find that we work well together here and we work well together there. And then everybody kind of like stays in their. We don't really stay in our lanes because we cross over a lot, but um, there's a lot of um, complementary skills that help everything kind of come together really well. So when I came on the year before I came on at the potato house, um, they had another grant writer, Joe Borsato, who is like phenomenal, incredibly smart, just like a wonderful human being. And he had put in a grant uh, to (laughs) lift the house and replace the basement. Um, The foundation underneath the house was failing and moldy and pretty yucky and very small. It was about uh, three quarters of the size of the footprint of the house. So um, the grant was approved, that's the Community Economic Recovery Infrastructure Program uh, through, oh, I would, I don't want to say. province. Columbia. I think it's the province. I think it's the province. And it's been, um, our delivery program is through Heritage BC. And so we're always super happy to have their support on projects as well. Um, so last year, that's what we did. We uh, got that project started. And now we're sort of, um, we have months left to go, but we're in the finishing the basement stages and doing some more planning about, do we put tile here or what's the most efficient way here and how can we build sustainably? And um, between Oliver, our our compost expert, who is also now our construction expert, (laughs) Yeah. He's pretty amazing. Like he's, he's so amazing. And he's very attached to the site. So having somebody down there kind of boots on the ground, um, every day working with the contractors is like pretty beneficial.
2: We don't have a dumpster. We don't have a construction dumpster at all. Like anything that comes out of this site, Oliver, of like, what, what are you, what do you do with that?
1: Yeah. Uh,
2: well, we're going to reuse that for something else. And now our contractors are getting to the point where they're like, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, uh, here comes Oliver. We already know how we're reusing it. And so it's been pretty amazing. And even
1: um, the contractors will suggest um, they'll, they'll make suggestions for how we could get something that's that era, or um, they'll say, well, instead of buying something new, we could reuse in this way, or maybe we can find this or that. So they're actually like really on board with our values and our, um, our goals for the project, which is awesome because then we don't have to spend that extra energy trying to like fight for what we want. Uh, so that's good. Um and then um, once that well, during that project. So we just got approval for two other projects. Um, one is the site um, at one point was used, well, the second owner of the house, the Quintella's, they used it to plant potatoes. And Mr. Quintella was called the potato man. He unfortunately looked a bit like a potato. <laughs> he
2: was quite round and had some growths on his face and, and people, and he sold potatoes. So people just said, oh, you know, the potato man's house. The potato man's like, house. It's kind of derogatory. Let's <laughs> just drop the man off it and potato house. And it was an easy trend transition for a community name yeah so people barely noticed that we took the man out right away
1: so um they had grown potatoes there to help feed the community during World War II or after World War II
2: they bought the house in 1956 so post-World War II they were buying the potatoes to feed their still in the basement
1: (laughs) oh Okay. Okay. Well, I have the story slightly incorrect,
2: but it was a good feed for me to tell you what it was actually. Totally. That's great. That's
1: fantastic. Um so either way, uh to sort of like with this construction project, the grounds are just a a just dis- total destructive mess because we've had equipment in there and uh, we've had to move a lot of stuff around in the house, obviously had to have a footprint sitting over on a different area of the property at one point. So um, we had some community gardens in there and they were uh, well used and we had lots of people coming in and using them. But when we look at um, sustainability as far as the organization goes and trying to increase um, revenue or increase programs that then also go back and feed the community so that we increase the value of the organization, um, we were kind of talking about different ideas and I thought, oh, it'd be great to have a veggie garden. Um, either a market garden or potentially a, a garden that could be a free program for community members. So um, that project has been approved through uh, the Ministry of Social Development and Poverty Reduction um, as a job creation partnership program with WorkBC. So we will get a full-time employee to come and help develop the uh, veggie garden on the site and then uh, we'll get some materials and some program costs for that as well, which is great. And then we've been working with the social planning council they have a food hub uh, coordinator that's been working on coordinating uh, local food sources and producers um, to help reduce uh, food insecurity in our area so it looks like that project may end up getting extended next year as well there might be some funds to hire a person and to get seeds and to keep that project going um, with the purpose of feeding the community as a free program Um, and the second Project that we just got approved. Uh, again, it was Mary and Joe, the incomparable Joe. He's amazing. He's just going to be a forever part of the team. But he helped, um, they helped me put together an application for the Heritage VC to a, a time immemorial, 150 time immemorial grant project. And that is geared towards um, uh, LGBTQS 2S. Uh, people's and Indigenous peoples and sharing culture and uh, relating the history and there were some infrastructure projects that you could do and so we were looking at our our um, current tours and most of them reside here in Mary's head. I'm pointing to Mary's head and. <laughs> that's where they live and they're fabulous and and wonderful and we have some on paper that students have done in the past as well. So what we wanted to do is inventory and catalog those tours and create some scripts so that we can recreate those um, in the future and then um, the other part of the project is to create some new uh, tours that include those uh, other cultures and histories of peoples in the community and especially marginalized communities. And in our community in particular, um, has a bit of a poor history of uh, openness and inclusivity. So we're aiming to increase the content in that way. And so we've hired an excellent contractor um, that will start working with us. We got pretty lucky with that. And yeah, I feel like we, there's little projects like sprinkled in and around there as well, but um, everything that we have on the go is just like fits the potato house. And the whole team is like really supportive and yeah, I think it's going to be awesome. So many great things down the pipeline.
0: I think I'm most interested in hearing where these synergies came from and then how you were able to work on them um, with the funding aspects. Like I know a lot of folks um, would love to do some of these projects or maybe they don't feel like they are, you know, fit their strategic planning, but how did you guys approach funding? Did you get creative? Were you surprised where you were able to find resources? How did that, how did that work?
2: One of the ones that really surprised me is I was, we're, we call it, we are a museum, but we call ourselves a living history site. It's like, oh, if that's on the shelf, it's not a don't touch. It's like, try it on, take a picture with it. Well, how does it work? Oh, it broke. Don't worry. we got six more. <laughs> no problem. It's all a teaching collection. We do have a curated kit collection, but it's all the things that came with the house, which is a really limited number of items, all of which are really tough wearing items. But one of the ones that really surprised me is that if we didn't have a curated collection of items that are inventoried, we weren't eligible for funding. It was some, organize, some heritage organizations. So we're like, wow, we got to get on that like right now. And it's been one of those surprise places where we're like, well, we already are a heritage site celebrating the amazing history of British Columbia and all of our people, but like, no, actually you need to do that. Oh.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of it has been when looking for funding is looking at the logical partnership. So um, if we can partner with the Cariboo Conservation Society or um, the museum or the station house gallery or something like that, where that partnership seems like a match and we can just share resources. That's sort of, those are easy wins and they're small, but then also it makes it so that when we're applying for other funds, and again, we sort of look at BC museums and we look at Heritage BC and um, there's other programs and stuff that we look for, but we're looking, we're, when when we're applying for those funds, we all then share resources as far as like, well, this organization as our community partner. So we always get letters of support from Caribou Chocolat Conservation Society for the Potato House and vice versa, because we're all doing the same kind of work, but we're kind of staying in our own lanes too. But um, without the
2: siloing, you know, how some organizations yeah. are like, that's mine. How could you all apply for that? You took away our, it's yeah. not like that. It's like, hey, did you hear about this application? This would work really good for you. You apply for that stream. I'll apply for this stream. Yeah. I have they'll overlap. And we talk to each other. And it's about really strong relationships in our community too. Like we're a small town. Like we mentioned, our contractors work for (laughs) both organizations. Like we'll often have a conversation and go, "Is that a conflict?" Oh wait, the entire town's a conflict of interest. Everything is. Everything is always. It's a super small town. (laughs) So the synergy is relationships. I find in most Mm -hmm. places. Like how did we? How were we successful with doing a renovation of a heritage house? And a style of heritage house that isn't really often being renovated successfully. We have an amazing contractor who's been with us since the beginning. And at one point, our board, when we got this big flush of money, the board of directors said, well, you know, we should put it out to tender and out to contractors and we should get a bunch of quotes in. Are you? Oh, okay. we could do that or we could hire the contractor we've been training in heritage conservation who's been down with us the entire time and knows the project in and out and provided the quote to get this funding. And it, those kinds of synergies, it's a, it's a relationship thing all the time and all the time, all the time. Yeah. And if someone, if it doesn't work well for us, if it's not an easy, like, Hey, I like hanging out with you, do you want to eat some sushi and talk about cool stuff? <laughs> yeah. If it doesn't work easy, it's like, I got better things to do. And that's the simpleness of amazing people is what makes this job easier and amazing.
1: Yeah. And I think, uh, we've been lucky, I think at both or- organizations to, to find and sort of Gather those people who have those core skills that we need, or we look at, okay, what are we currently doing and who do we know in the community that can do that? And then reaching out. And like Mary said, nobody's sitting here like guarding resources, even though resources sometimes are not plentiful. People are willing to say, oh, well, I applied for this and this is what I found, or this is how I found the application process. But operational funding is sort of like that key. So when we're looking at funding projects is one thing, but then saying, how can we make sure that we pay our core people to keep them in place? And then sharing the value that way of saying, you know, we have a fee-for-service with our, with our municipality and um, it's not huge, but it's a little. And so when we're gonna renew that contract this year, one of the things that we can say is look at all the funding that we've gotten in the last couple of years and then put back into the economy with your tiny little investment that keeps our staff paid so that we can continue to look for that kind of funding. And that's really been a help too.
2: Another place that we found some um, organizations say like, well, what about your board of directors? And it's like, well, they're all mostly under 50.
1: Every other board that I've been on or organization that I've worked for, they're always like, how do we get more young people? And I think our, our board is like the youngest most creative group of all time and they're fun and they're interesting and, and they're
2: entrepreneurs and yeah. they're like let's just do that.
1: Yeah. It's uh, we're really blessed. Yeah. So we're lucky that way.
2: And then where do you get more amazing people to work on this team? The place that I find people amazing is I'll be talking to another like-minded individual and invariably there might be a story where they're not being valued their their incredible skill set is being undervalued or taken advantage of or someone is using their incredible skill set to their advantage but they feel like they're being taken advantage of and there's so many amazing people in this industry who just love what they do and we're not always in it for the money I mean straight up museums is not in it for the money so having a really strong culture of care because some places don't and there's people that are still working jobs that are not nice to them yeah we're about like what do you need we had a summer staff got a job with BC Parks we're so sorry we're leaving we're like no how do we support you yeah go this is a great opportunity come back be a board member when you're older anytime we have a chance to support people we're all about it
0: it's very clear how um, community is so important in the work that you're doing in relationship building in general as I think as a space for education I'm curious what has been the Reception from the public on these kind of environmental sustainable projects that you're working on, or the perceived value of it, because I think a lot of folks, um, you know, want to share their knowledge about like the importance of composting, like your your project and things like that. So, what has been the feedback, and what are some of the projects that you're kind of looking towards in the future, maybe a little bit more lofty than the composting? Like, are people engaged and excited about the work that you're doing?
1: The potato house has been like um, a bit of a center for events learn but you could just have fun like they we posted everything from zombie compost walks to um beer gardens for the stampede which is like an entirely different different demographic of people and mountain biking conferences yeah mountain biking conferences. they mountain bike
2: to our site and they drink a lot of beer yes good fundraising yeah
1: <laughs> but the other end of it like the community support from the city and then the way that the partnerships develop because of the people who are involved and everybody on the board, like it's such a diverse bunch of people. And then the value has added just every time we finish a project, we're able to offer more things and then we increase our capacity.
2: But the part that gets even better is like, we're totally like building critical mass here in town with these incredible relationships. And then provincially, because we're shameless, like, every conference, every opportunity, every bit of funding, every time we can support the Heritage BC, the BC Museums Association, Northern Development Trust, that's actually not on the coast, but you know what I'm saying. We have such great supports on a provincial level as well, and they're also relationships. So we'll talk to each other, like when a child and I would chat, we're like, hey, did you talk to Vanessa recently over at the BCMA? Oh yeah, yeah, we had a conversation about this conference coming up, or hey Mary, did you remember to sign up for, and the relationship that we get from the like bigger organizations because we're friendly and they're friendly (laughs) as well. Amazing. So we do great stuff. And then it gets promoted up the scale. And we see it as an opportunity to these organizations as an opportunity to share because we love to talk and share with really nice people <laughs> and museums invariably are really fantastic. So they're like, we really love a drive by composting program at our museum. Like, yeah, We want to help you. Let's do it together. Can we come visit?
0: I mean, Potato House really feels like the place where history meets sustainability. And um, I'm just wondering if you could speak to some of your larger sustainable development goals, in particular, referencing the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals and Mm -hmm. how that um, international goals, how are you applying them to the work that you're doing? Because I think a lot of folks would be really interested in, in, in doing that, but don't necessarily know how those goals apply to what they do.
2: It was so much fun and it was so easy. The United Nations sent out these like, how would you describe it? They were like worker ants. And they went to all these really remote communities to talk about climate change when climate change was still like, shh, don't talk about it. It's not real. Scientists are weirdos. (laughs) And so the UN came around going like, no, like seriously, climate change is a big deal. And these are some of the things we're looking at to address it as a world, as United Nations. And these are the 17 ones we're targeting. And as a museum person, every one of those 17 sustainable goals is some kind of a storyline or a target or a connection, like reducing poverty. Well, the people who lived at the Potato House in 1956, the Quintelas, they grew their own potatoes in Market Garden because they moved from Portugal in states of poverty when it was definitely not democratic. And they came here to take care of themselves sustainably. And they were reducing their own poverty by maintaining their own food security. And to these days, our largest irrigated crop in North America is our front lawns. So potato houses, harking back to this time where they had already figured it out, you know, like take up your lawn and grow some potatoes. We do recommend a still in your basement. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But at the same time, how are we able to find other connections on those uh, United Nations 17 sustainable goals? Infrastructure. Like How how is a sustainable infrastructure going to, well, you know, the greenest house ever built is a house that's already built taking it down and putting it in the landfill, it's going to reduce, create more greenhouse gases. And then the materials used to build that house in 1941, like clear fur, big beans, beautiful stuff. Landfilling it is not to the benefit because we're getting like a totally different product off the market these days, just because we don't have those original deep Douglas fir forests anymore because we used them to build the houses in 1941. So recognizing that and like, how can we support other heritage buildings? Like it's not a tear down if it's old. I mean, sometimes, but not always. And looking at it as a value item is something that we can get out of for 17 sustainable goals. Now, how do we use the United nations every day? So you walk on the property and it's like, what United nations in your head, how did that happen? We painted one foot by one foot, got students to paint them with the symbols, the 17 goals. And then we put them along a fence. So as you drive by, there's all the symbols with the description of what they are in case the picture is not intelligible enough. And then we'll get the kids to point at it and go, what do you think that one means? And like, oh, I think it's this. How does that apply here? And how has it changed over time? Or how did they already have it figured out? And we've just totally wrecked it sometimes Mm. it's the truth that's one of the ways that we include the 17 sustainable goals plus you can just drop it's like the mic drop for heritage it's like and i include 17 sustainable goals in all of my environmental education in the classroom and my local kids can say 17 sustainable goals are you talking about the united nations they're in grade three bam (laughs) you're
0: welcome (laughs) Love it, inspiring and, and some great ways that you guys are implementing those goals. Um, so before I let you both go and as we're celebrating Earth Day this year, what are some ways folks in the heritage and cultural community can participate in this environmental and sustainability education work that you guys do throughout the year?
2: That's a good question, Amber.
1: Well, I mean, there's always resources available um... The Caribou Conservation website has a lot of waste and water wise tips. Um, both organizations do some live video recording. Mainly, the Conservation Society does a Trash Talk Tuesday and a Waterwise Wednesday post um, that gives some tips, or some like we did a salmon school series and that kind of thing. So, um, I think. For anybody, no matter where you are, finding those resources that you enjoy the content, but then maybe learn a little bit along the way as well. I think that's super important. Um, and then in our local area for people around us, um, always checking in. Scout Island is another Scout Island Nature Center that has lots of stuff ongoing and lots of conservation type um Uh, education happening and then BC Family Day you guys gave us a grant to do an online heritage tour and we included a little bit of the UN Sustainable Goals and we had some climate stuff and we had some compost stuff and also a great way of
2: making it happen for museums all the time in our province or anywhere that are, are keen to have a conversation on sustainability in school education and outreach is to build those really strong relationships not only in their network but like reach out to us Call us, mm-hmm. send us an email, send me a text. You can put my phone number on this web or podcast and be like, we're going to text Mary questions about recycling. Is this broken glass bong recyclable? No, it's not, but it's repurposable potentially tangent. But I hear you. <laughs> so build those relationships to your own community. Like who are your like-minded friends? Have those conversations about sustainability. Even if you're just like burgeoning in the conversation, it's like, I'm kind of interested in this and, amazingly, when you start knocking on those doors, they start opening and you'll say, there's another person who's kind of into this too. Uh, Maybe some radio ads or some social media posts. And then if you're feeling like, I haven't quite got it yet, call us. Like we love to talk and we're happy to (laughs) brainstorm with you. And if you get the chance, come to Williams Lake, come down here and hang out with us. We won't even make you sleep in your car. And we'd love to take you on a tour and talk to you about all the things that's making our little small town and our tiny potato house with Canada's only drive-by composting program with the 17 sustainable goals. I think one of the goals fell off.
1: There's only 12. I think there's only 12 there's right 17. now. Do you there's think there's that someone is off. trying
2: to steal the 17 sustainable goals because they're so <laughs> popular? Some kids got it in their bedroom. Like mom, I have gender equality.
1: Look at, look at how cool it is. It is
2: so cool. Anyways, i could going to fix that. Anyway. <laughs> Stay connected. I think in this time of technology, our ability to connect with each other is our strongest resource. And that is the most sustainable item that we have is our ability as humans to be amazing together. Mm -hmm. And let's move forward together by giving us a call. Yeah. We'd love to talk to you and share information. Also check out our Facebook page because that's where we're posting videos and current updates on events and uh, contests. Contests. And you can watch the ongoing adventures of the Potato House, where we lift our house in the air, build a foundation like a parking garage under a house from 1941, and we're still trying to figure it all out. So if anything, watch what we're doing because it's ridiculous and awesome.
0: So awesome.
2: So exciting! I'll
0: be staying tuned for sure. And thank you to to the
2: BC Museums Association. As always, you've been an incredible resource for all of us. And this networking that you're creating, this relationship of sustainability, we're so grateful to you. Thank you for having us.
0: A huge thank you to Amber and Mary for joining me and sharing their work with us. Thank you again for listening to our special Earth Day podcast with Potato House. If you'd like to listen to more from the BCMA, visit our website at museum.bc.ca or anywhere you listen to podcasts. See you next time.